Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Amen. How are we, church? Good. It's good to be with you all. Good to be gathered with the household of faith this morning. I am just so happy that we didn't wake up to more snow on Saturday morning. Anyone else? I just, I opened my eyes, like looked out a window and I saw a blue sky and I was like, no way. God is so good. This is amazing. Um, yeah, I'm ready for winter to be done, right? I mean, it's time for summer. Anybody else? Like outside, boats, camping, just sunshine. It'll be amazing. It'll be incredible. Some of us could use some, some color on the skin. You know what I mean? So, um, uh, welcome. If you're new, like Katie said, we really do just want to say hello and thanks for coming and, and hanging out and worshiping with us uh, this morning. We have been in a series for the last several months and we are going to land the plane on that series this morning. Um, and before we kick off, like Katie said, at the All-In Sunday next week, how many of y'all had never been here for an All-In Sunday? Can I just see a show of hands? All right, so a handful of you in the room. Uh, it is, it is going to be moving. It is going to be kind of noisy and it's going to be beautiful. Amen. It's going to be really good. We are going to kick off a new series on the book of Mark. We're actually going to hang out. Uh, what better way to follow up kind of life on mission than following Jesus around through the gospel of Mark, uh, through his telling of what Jesus did while he was here on the planet. And so we're going to start that next week. I can't wait to kick that off. And uh, I just, I love the all-in Sundays. We, we started calling them all-in Sundays because we had everybody in one room for one service. And that, that since then hasn't worked. So we might have to kind of retool the name a little bit. But now we have in two services, we have uh, all of our different celebrations that are going on. So we have several people lined up to get baptized, which is just always a beautiful and fun and rowdy sort of thing. We have new members and we're going to celebrate graduates. And so if you are graduating in this season, uh, high school, you know, we don't, we don't celebrate the kindergarten graduates here at, at Good Shepherd Church. That's just a, that's a stance we have taken. We've taken some heat for that. Um, but man, you're a kindergartner. I'm sure it's amazing and it's beautiful and I am happy for them. But we're going to celebrate high school and college, uh, tech school, stuff like that. If you're graduating one of those, man, get on up here and we'd love to bless you in this upcoming season. So <laughs> I didn't even plan on going into that, but here we are. We did. So uh, I want to talk about life on mission, how we kind of end this. If you, if you missed last week, I would def definitely just encourage you to go back and catch that message. We had Pastor Kent with us. How fun was that to have Pastor Kent back with us in the room after a little while? Yeah, I don't think we should wait that long to have him preach again, right? I mean, that was, that was incredible. And that uh, message blessed us, texted you right after. It was a blessing for all of us to look at uh, just what, what fundamentally, what foundation we stand on with the life on mission. And so I would, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that for sure. But today, as we kind of look to uh, put the end on this series that we've been doing before we begin another one, um, I really just want to evaluate how we can, as the church, um, as Jesus' bride, how we can get involved in different places that he's already calling our church to go. Um, so I, I try to always have in my mind, at least, and maybe it won't say it out loud, but I try to have in my mind like my sermon in one sentence. Like I feel like that just helps you be clear and succinct. And the sermon in the sentence today is, uh, hey, get involved get involved. Um, so that obviously didn't land well, but that's okay. That's what the series is going to end with today. In Ephesians chapter four is where we are going to look. And so you can turn there if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and open that up. Um, otherwise it's going to be on the screen. Um, this is maybe a familiar passage for those of you who've been in church for a little while. It's the Apostle Paul uh, encouraging in a section that is headed as unity in the body of Christ. He's really giving us some good marching orders for what the church should look like and how the church should function and what its form should look like. So he says in Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 11, 
It says, and he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So what he just said right there is there, there are certain gifts that exist within the body of Christ. In fact, looking at other books in the New Testament, we see that every believer is gifted in some way by the Spirit of God to do ministry that he puts in front of us to do. Every single person is gifted by Christ. Um, it is not just the pastors or the people that you would see on stage who have gifts, but rather every single person who has given their faith to Jesus, who has given themselves over to his lordship and surrendered to him, now have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And with that, he wants to bring alive to you in gifts that he's placed in you since before you were even made. And so he wants to call forth these gifts that he's put in you. Um, and they're all over the New Testament. We see that there are gifts of leadership and hospitality and, um, and um, administration, different, different varied levels of giftedness, I guess, if you could call it. There's some that are more behind the scenes and some that are more out front. But nowhere does it say in the New Testament that you have been given the spiritual gift of consumption. Right, and nobody is just gifted in this unique way to sit back and consume the giftedness based on other people. And I think that's at fault probably of the church at large in America that we see today is that uh, churches and, and groups of people are sort of built around the giftedness of one person rather than everyone seeing themselves as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which each and every person in this room is called to be, uh, being helped guided and helped formed and directed by a certain skill set that's in the Bible. And so what we have is we have prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Not all of you have the gift of teaching. Not all of you have the gift of leading worship. Not all of you have the gift of uh, planting churches and helping be visionaries for what the kingdom of God could do in a certain area. Some of, some of you may, but, but maybe what your gift is a lot more like is hospitality. You're just gifted supernaturally by the spirit of God to, to make spaces where people can come in and belong like we talked about a few weeks ago. Maybe your gift is more administration. Praise God for some people with the gift of administration, Right? who can just put order to the visionary's chaos and can help things make sense. You know, the point is, is we need all of the gifts in the body of Christ to see themselves as valuable. None are worthless. Every single one of them is important. Every single person that's part of the church, part of the body of Christ has a gift and that gift is needed. So he says, uh, he's given these gifts to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. Until, until, so how long are we going to be doing this for? Well, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So until we all look like Christ, we're going to need to keep doing this. And I just... Anyone feel like they've just arrived at the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? Anyone just there at this point? Great, no hands. Praise God, I'm not alone. Uh, that is something we are all gonna be endeavoring towards this side of glory. We haven't arrived. We haven't arrived. There is more of our heart. There is more of our life that we can continue to just yield over to Christ as he forms us into the, his image until he makes us to be more like him. And I love this. He's gonna give us, Paul is gonna give us just a really visceral picture here. Um, he says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Um, man, I, I used to enjoy going to the beach. Any other parents in the room? 
Like the beach was a relaxing, fun time. It's not like we went all the time. It's, it takes a little bit to get there, obviously. I'm not talking about Boyd Lake State Park, okay? Like I'm talking about like the ocean, you know what I'm saying? Um, like I, I would enjoy going there. I'd body surf or whatever, go swim in the ocean. Now as a parent with like these little kids, it's a horrific experience, is it not? You know, that, that ocean doesn't care a lick about you at all. You know, I, it is just eat like, it, especially for like the younger ones, man, it's not even the waves coming in that can wreck them. It's just the waves going back out that can just pull them back out. And I'm like, you will be gone ha- quicker than I can get there, you know? And so Paul gives us this word picture that, that it's not just about your physical stature going up. There is a spiritual maturity to be desired within the body of Christ that we shouldn't be spiritual infants, as he says in another place, or children who are easily tossed to and fro by whatever doctrines blowing about in the air that we're living in today. How many of you can acknowledge, man, if you look at that list, every wind of doctrine, human cunning, craftiness, deceitful schemes. How many of you, how many of you would just acknowledge those exist in spades in the world we're living in today? And so the need for the church in this hour is not, is not necessarily to just uh, identify all those or to figure out what all of those are, but, uh, but to grow up, to mature, to become more built up in our spirit man, spirit woman, so that we would be able to stand firmly on who Christ has called us to be, on the things that he's taught us. We're called to develop into full maturity so that we can stand against those things. He says, rather, speak the truth in love in verse 15 so that we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So there is something to the unique giftedness of every single person in this room, that we are called to come together no, no joint can be kind of detached from the rest, but we are all under the headship of Christ, meant to utilize our giftedness in such a way where we come together in unity, striving to be more like him in love so that we would find our full maturity to be found in him. So this, what this verse tells me right here is that we can't accomplish all the ministry that we as a church are meant to accomplish if we have people spectating it on the sideline. The invitation, again, hey, get involved. Get involved somewhere. Maybe you've gone through a season of spectating. Maybe you've gone through a season of just consuming. And there, there are times and there are seasons in life where it is hard and you are heavy and you are hurting. Man, come and get healed up. But the message is never just come to a church and just heal and heal and heal. Uh, eventually, it's to get back out there and get back in the fight. Amen? Like we are called to be kingdom makers, kingdom movers, to go out and to do things, to carry ministry that Jesus has given us, not just to watch and spectate as other people utilize their gifts. You have been given a gift and each gift is specifically and uniquely yours. The Holy Spirit has done something in you and the way that he's formed you and the way that he's wired you so that you're not gonna do maybe even what the person sitting next to you is gonna do. But you've been called to go somewhere, to be a minister for the gospel of Jesus Christ somewhere. And so what I simply wanna do for the rest of my time today is I wanna outline a few areas where you could go and get involved. Because I think it is, it is a wonderful thing. We have so many people who help on our in-house serve team. That's what we call our volunteer team here. We don't call them volunteers. We call them a serve team because we love that we are serving together as a team, uh, just like on a team mentality. If one person is struggling or if one person is falling behind, it impacts all of us. And so we are, have this team mentality. I, just, I never want to truncate uh, how God has gifted you to say, man, if you would just come on the serve team and be on our first impressions team and serve coffee, I really think that you would be walking in the purpose 
that God has for your life. Don't you just kind of hate when churches do that? Like, man, you have been filled with so much purpose. Will you please serve coffee to people? Now, is coffee a good right gift to be served on Sunday morning? Yes and amen. We could have a praise break right now. I'd be fine with that. But man, like you were made for more than that. Do you know that? Like you have more in you than just a smile on your face, opening the door for somebody. Praise God for that. We need that to happen. In fact, we are coming up on summer where uh, just like the rest of us in this room, you probably have a couple different places you're going already on the books for the summer. Like you're either not gonna be in town, you're going camping, you're gonna be out on the boat sometime. And, and so it makes scheduling our serve team more tough. So we need people to get on our serve team right now to get involved in our next gen areas, to help with our first impressions team, to help prepare and serve communion for all of us on Sunday mornings. We need that. It takes that level of um, that team mentality to make a Sunday morning happen. However, I never want to act like that is the sum total of your giftedness is to serve the body of Christ on a Sunday morning. It is a good thing. It's a right thing. It's an important thing, but it is not all that you were made to do. So I'm just gonna go through uh, a few different areas of ministries or partnerships that we already have as a church locally. And I just wanna invite you to uh, prayerfully consider how the Holy Spirit might steer you to get involved somewhere. I've broken these down into a few different categories and I don't even really know how to label the categories, but this first one is really, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, goodwill. It's promoting goodwill, promoting opportunities to serve and just do things in faith for the least of these. And here's where this kind of idea comes from. So I'll give you kind of, the topic, the idea, and then we'll talk about the ministries that you can get involved in. So Isaiah chapter 58, um, we have this juxtaposed scene contrasting uh, fasting for religious self-righteousness and true fasting that, that God is honored by. True fasting, he says, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. 59 uh, in verse, or 58 verse nine. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and you shall rise up on the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. The point is this, Israel was made to be this beacon, this, this signpost of hope and of something distinct and different to the rest of the world. But they gave themselves over to all these different things. They let their religion, they let the law all kind of satisfy their desire to be righteous in their own eyes, rather than themselves pour themselves out for the world around them. And God says, man, if you can do this and you can, restore, you, can be, uh, you can restore yourselves back to who I made you to be, a signpost of hope, a signpost of my glory for the world around you. And part of the way he says is you're gonna take care of the afflicted. You're gonna feed the hungry. You're gonna clothe the poor. And so this is something that, man, the church, our, our gatherings can't just exist for ourselves. 
we have to in some way figure out how we can come here to get equipped and get filled up so that we can go out and serve the community around us. So here's a couple avenues. Uh, let, me, let me do this first. Jesus, I think, recaps this passage from Isaiah well when he says in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? Why do we do this? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We're doing this not to just uh, stroke our own egos while we're out there serving, going, man, look at how good of a Christian I am. I'm really good at feeding these people or taking care of these people or providing these things for people. No, we're doing this so that people might see the good works that we're doing and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. So the first place I want to just highlight for you is House of Neighborly Services. House of Neighborly Service we've had a partnership with for several years, um, and they specialize in taking care of the marginalized and the poor in our city. They've, in fact, they've come to us and said, hey, uh, you probably don't need to keep these homeless food baskets on hand. Send people our way. We have resources, uh, not just to feed a homeless person, but so we can actually equip them and train them and give them classes and ways that they can learn about their own worth and their own value so that they can get themselves off the streets. They have all sorts of different programming and uh, things under the umbrella of HS, like like utility coverage. So all these utilities that the city was like, hey, just pause on paying your t- utilities during COVID. And now they're about to unpause all of those utilities. And I... I I just don't think we're the kind of people that have been budgeting for that and planning for that thing to just resume because that whole bill is still waiting for them. And so they're going to step in and they're, gonna, they're probably going to pay and service uh, thousands of people's utility bills in our community. They, they have food banks. They have places for prayer. They are a place where you can come and you can take refuge if you are one of the marginalized or down and out people in our city and they need help. Every single person that I go through, every single ministry that I go through, you can be thinking of assistance in three planes because I don't really care how you slice it. It always comes down to these three things. Uh, They need people. They need people to show up, to serve people, to help, to smile, to hug, to be people who uh, are loving other people who step in their doors. They need people. Every ministry needs people to come help. Every ministry also needs money. It's just a fact of the way it goes. They need resources. They need stuff. And so maybe, maybe one of these will kind of touch on your heart and you have no time to go as a person and serve, but you have resources that you could send their way. So they, they, need, they, need, uh, they need people, they need money, and they need our prayers. They need like every single one of these, if you could just be writing them down, if for nothing else, you spent the summer praying for these different ministries as they are giving life into crucial places in our cities. So be praying for them. Think about it on those three planes every time I bring one of these up. So h is one place where you could get involved to serve, you could give, or you could just be praying for them all summer long. The second one I wanna highlight is Front Porch Ministry. Front Porch Ministry is a partnership that we have with Christ Church of the Rockies. Tom Albrecht is the pastor there, and his vision was to, was to feed the homeless a warm meal every day for lunch, every weekday for lunch. Good Shepherd currently takes uh, two to three meals every month. And so the way that works is we have a list of people who can help and they, they bring the food uh, and a bunch of people will put together just a big old meal that we can take down there. And then there's a few other people who will go help and serve. So not everyone is gifted to go serve. Uh, not everyone is gifted to cook. I mean, amen, praise the Lord. You know, like some of you just need to know that's not your gifting and that's okay, right? But maybe you can go serve. Maybe you can be the person who cooks. But either way, um, the way I think about this just mathematically is that, man, over the last over the last year, a couple years, whatever, we've added, we've added 100, 200 people into this body. And so that to me means in theory, we should be able to pick up a couple more days a month. Are you tracking with that math in my brain? 
And man, I feel like we could just add a couple more days that we are going and blessing and serving the homeless down there. The third one that I want to point out is Laga Vista. Duncan and Lainey Howard uh, uh, help spearhead everything that happens at Laga Vista. Uh, their heart started when they saw a correlation. I talked about this a couple weeks ago in a sermon. A correlation between uh, the, the impoverished students in our school district and their test results. And as income went down, test results went down. And so rather than whine or rather than complain or rather than just wait to vote in a certain way, they, they actually relocated their life into the Laga Vista trailer park, which is just north of the church here. And they just started ministering to and loving on and serving and tutoring and being present for uh, that demographic. And so here's what Laga Vista needs. They have a couple needs, really. They need people who are uh, skilled craftsmen who can come in and help repair trailers, um, who can help come in and put siding on trailers, who can repair decks and who can clean up yards, people who aren't afraid to get their hands dirty. The other kind of person they need is somebody who maybe they're, maybe they're dirt averse in the way they live their life and they more are bent towards books. They have a summer reading program that they really want to have the local churches serve in this summer reading program so that kids don't, they don't dip down in their reading scores over the summer. Like so many, like even, gosh, we all know this is true. You quit doing something for three months and you just, you get a little worse at it, you know? And so um, they want, they want people, and it, this is probably a great outlet for some of you who feel like, man, I just, my body, uh, I'm older now. I can't go and serve like I used to. Well, you could sit down with a group of young people and you could read to them for a little bit. And you could be a storyteller. You could sit down and help walk a kid through a reading lesson. They need some people to go serve and read to kids in this reading program. Um, Laga Vista would be a great place to go uh, serve, to, to partner with financially or to be praying for this summer. Be the gift. Um, is another one I want to highlight. Be the Gift does um, construction and does repairs on, on single mothers' houses and single mothers' homes. So uh, this, again, this is uh, another twofold kind of request. If you have uh, a gift of craftsmanship, you know how to work with wood, you know how to uh, tear down, replace cabinets, fix mold, these kinds of things, uh, man, they need some help. We have, we have a team from this church that has been carrying a ton for a while and the ministry is just there to do. We just don't have enough people to go out and exercise all of it that's in front of us. And so, man, if you're that kind of person, again, this would be a great outlet to get set up. But they also, um, as their primary demographic that they're serving is uh, single moms. They would also love some people who would just go and love on mom for a little bit or just go and get on the floor and play with a kid for a little bit while they worked. Both of those things are a tremendous asset and value to be the gift. Again, not every gift is the same. So this kind of like uh, goodwill or or promoting things to serve the least of these in our community. Maybe that's not kind of how you're wired. Uh, the other way that I think we can, uh, we can promote is, is talking about people who are really just stirred up about the next generation. Some of you, man, you're just always thinking about, well, the kids these days, and man, the youth as they're growing up, and what do they have? And, and that's a good, right thing. We should be thinking about that. Uh, the Bible is filled with examples of us blessing down or, or commending the next generation behind us. Second Timothy, I love the way that Paul writes to a young pastor in a crazy, uh, just, just awful, awful city that he's ministering in. And Paul's writing to young Timothy to encourage him. He says, hey, I'm reminded of your, hey, was added for emphasis by me. By the way, that's not actually in there. Just, he's like, hey, I reminded you of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And now I'm sure it dwells in you as well. How beautiful is that? There is not one person in this room, regardless of your age, that is now retired from Christian ministry. You're not done. 
Man, there's probably, in fact, faith and stories and testimonies in you that the next generation needs to hear. I, just, I love that Timothy's faith was passed down from his grandmother to his mother down to him. And who knows how far it kept going down after that. Our faith was meant to have this generational aspect that we wouldn't ever just kind of stop as, as the generation and we'll just receive all the blessing as the generation finally. But rather, we're always supposed to be receiving from the generation ahead of us. And, and maybe we are reforming things. Maybe things are changing. Again, like the, the message is never changing, but maybe the methods start to change as we go down. And we're not doing that just for us. We're doing that hopefully to build something for the next generation behind us. So we constantly are reaping something from one generation, not just indulging all of it for ourselves, but we're taking it and we're putting it back into the ground and sowing it for a generation to come. Psalm 145, the psalmist writes, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Again, some of you are just bent for this. You just have a way with middle, listen, the fact that there are some people in this room right now who are like, I feel called to middle school ministry. That is proof positive that this, like that the Holy Spirit works, right? Like this is like, this is an amazing thing where you just are called to go and serve and be present with and, and patient with and listening to middle schoolers. And we need it. We need it as a church. The community needs it at large. One organization I love to point you towards is Fellowship of Christian Athletes, FCA. FCA runs uh, all these different local huddles in the high schools. Um, it, FCA partners strategically with coaches and athletes to, to disciple them towards Christ by spending time with them and by being with them and by creating opportunities for them to share their faith in that kind of environment, that kind of sports environment, right? And so again, the, uh, um, let me just say this gently, like not all of you are athletes. Not all of you are wired towards athletes, right? But some of you, Man, you've got kids in middle school, you've got kids playing high school sports and you're already, you're already at the practice dropping them off and then you go back home and you get home just in time to like throw some chicken nuggets down into your mouth real quick, just enough time to go back to practice and pick them up. And FCA just has this invitation of like, hey, what if you just, what if you just stayed? Like what if you just hung out with the coaching staff and what if you just served the coaching staff and you became a, a character coach? So that all the kids on the team would get to know you as a coach and you'd get to influence them with your faith. See, FCA has this value for discipleship and it would be a great one to get involved in. Again, not for everybody, but there are some of you in the room, God has distinctly wired you to just think playbooks and, and to just sit down with kids and be patient with them as they learn how to, how to shoot shots and how to do different plays and execute on things. And you'd be a perfect gift for someone to serve on FCA. Some of you younger people in the room, this is the easiest avenue into high schoolers to share your faith with. I mean, I'm told, I wasn't around then, but I'm told you used to be able to, as a pastor, just kind of walk in and start a prayer meeting at a high school. Like, you, you can't just do that anymore. But FCA is this way where we can come in as volunteers, we can come in as adults, and we can serve in a school, and we can help bring the gospel into schools, right? So if the school district is listening, just pretend you didn't hear everything I just said. It's not, it's not actually there. Um, Ephesians chapter six for the second to last category here. Um, how, many, how many of you are in the room? You're just kind of like, yeah, I, I'm pretty charismatic in the, way that I, in the way that I operate. Just hands real quick. Don't be afraid. Come on, you do anything else in the church gathering. You might as well raise your hand real quick if you're a little more charismatic, you know? I think it's really beautiful at Good Shepherd. One of the desires that we have is to be this blend of, of, uh, of uh, evangelical and a charismatic movement, right? Where we really deeply love and value the Bible, but we also deeply love and value the Spirit. 
And so that draws uh, some charismatic people. And man, if you're looking for just an, an outlet for that, if you're looking for more ways to get involved, or if you're just looking to be challenged in that side of your faith, because you, you know it's important, you know it's real, it's just not how you were wired because of the church you grew up in. Right? But if you, like Ephesians chapter six shows us, uh, it's, Paul's about to unpack for us the armor of God. But before he does, he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So you can acknowledge that the battle is spiritual or you can put your head in the sand and pretend that it isn't. But either way, there, there is a whole thing happening spiritually with powers and principalities and man, praise God for some people who are willing to just go and intercede and pray and get into the muck of that kind of stuff and get in there and wage war against the kingdom of darkness because it's real, it's out there. And so uh, one place that I think you would be blessed to know is happening is One Hope of Colorado. Um, Blake Bush, who's a part of our church, is starting a prayer room up at the Old Stone Church in Fort Collins. Uh, that ministry will be officially kicking off this fall in September. And so he's looking for people who are willing to come and take slots of prayer because it will be a 24-hour house of prayer is the vision. That it is available to all the local churches in our region to come and to pray and to worship and to seek the kingdom of God for not just our city, but this region, this state, the world that we are living in. And so regardless of your kind of, uh, you know, we, sometimes people will say, well, I just really want to be an intercessory prayer for this like really nuanced specific thing. And sometimes I just want to say, you're the only person I've ever met that's so passionate about praying for those uh, Mongolian workers there up in the mountain, in the Himalayas somewhere, you know? But man, there's some people, it's like, that's what I'm doing. And you know what? Maybe in Northern Colorado, there's actually like six of y'all hanging out, <laughs> And this would be a venue where you could come together and you could seek the Lord and you could pray for that thing that God's put on your heart. That's a really specific example. There'll be, there'll be all sorts of different things and categories for you to go and just pray and lay petition before the Lord uh, to just ask that breakthrough would happen. So One Hope is one place where you could get involved. The other place that I would like to point out is, um, is the healing rooms. The healing rooms, I, I told this first service, um, because we do have this kind of draw of people who are more evangelical and less charismatic and people who are more charismatic, uh, we have both in the room. And, and I have a pastor friend in the town that I just hung out with not that long ago. And uh, he, he really is, you know, he's not so charismatic. Let's just put it that way. He's like, I, I kind of believe in the continuation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like these few, but really I don't. They always say the weirdest things. Like I believe in the continuation of the gifts of the Spirit with the seatbelt on. Like, what, is that, what does that even mean, man? Like, like, so you're in charge or like the Holy Spirit's in charge. Like, what is it? You know, but um, it's like, yeah, you know, just like healing rooms. I don't know. I don't know if I really buy into all that. And I'm like, well, healing rooms in Loveland, you know, I've, I've seen uh, like a stack of testimonies that they have of miracles that have happened in that place. So you can believe that those things have stopped or we could just read through some of these confirmed healings of a, I mean, just recently it was told a story of a, of a spine that, uh, I mean, medical imaging confirmed it had moved like 17 degrees without any sort of intervention other than the spirit of God healing this person's back so they could stand up and walk again. Like they were having all this pain walking and this just, this had healed them. And it's not fully, it's not finished, but man, it started. It did something, like something moved on x-rays where you could say, man, that used to be there and now it's over here. And it's a, what they call a confirmed medical healing, right? That's a cool thing. Man, if that's a place you want to get more involved in, they do prayer for healing and prayers for prophetic ministry. Both would be awesome for you to either grow in that, if that's something you feel young in or curious about, or a place for you to exercise that if you feel like you're gifted in it. 
Uh, the last one that I want to highlight, and I want to take just maybe uh, a couple extra minutes on this one because it is uh, culturally just a very hot button issue right now. And that's in the category of being pro-life. So these last couple ministries would be pro-life movements that are happening here in our city. And I just want to acknowledge right on the front end here that being pro-life is not a political stance. It is a biblical conviction, right? So that is, it, is not a, it is not something that we are being politically informed and then deciding how to vote. That's something we're being theologically convicted of and that's impacting how we, how we see ourselves playing out in the world that we're living in, right? So, so when I say pro-life, we can look at Psalm 139. Where, where it says, for you, God, formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. God, when you were in your mom's uh, uterus, you were not just a fetus. You were being carefully hand-stitched by the creator God of the universe. He was already breathing purpose and he was breathing giftedness and, and good things. He was weaving together as he stitched you together. Uh, when you went from just two cells, so life does begin at conception, right? And then it, do, it does not just begin once you're delivered. God started that work all the way before the foundations of the earth is what it's gonna go on to say here. And so that is where we are biblically informed that we are pro-life, we are for life. Um, so I'll read the rest of this verse and then we'll unpack it just a little bit. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You know, one of the first people to recognize the coming Messiah, Jesus, while he was still in Mary's, uh, in Mary's womb was another unborn child. All right, so we, we don't, we don't just, we're not just political pawns in this sort of way. This is a theological position that we hold that no, God has started and started forming life inside a mother's womb, uh, not at delivery. The, the mistake that could be made right now from the church's standpoint, I believe, is that we're coming up on this season here and it could happen soon where Roe v. Wade could be overturned in our day. And that, that's an amazing thing that could be happening where, where we could see a number of abortions in our, in our country diminish. And that would be an amazing, amazing thing. It would be a horrific time for the church to just go, finally, we won that case, time to check out and lean back a little bit. The most important thing that we could do as a church is lean in in this time and start caring all the more for uh, moms who are finding themselves in an unexpected pregnancy and are shocked and are horrified. And what do I mean by leaning in? I mean, there, there are opportunities and spaces that I'm gonna show you in just a minute where you could help uh, bring gifts to them, bring them the needed supplies that they need, throw a baby shower for them, uh, wrap around them and counsel them, just someone to tell them it's gonna be okay. Like there, there's a plan for this baby, there's a plan for you and it's good. It's not a bad plan. This might be a surprise to you, but it's gonna be something beautiful, right? There, there are spaces where we can do that. Uh, we should be as a church, uh, if, if all of these, all of a sudden abortions are made illegal, it doesn't mean that I'm just uh, like against how a woman chooses to use her body. I am, I am actually for how people choose to use their bodies. I just believe that the most vulnerable body that is lost in this whole conversation is that little baby that's inside that mother's womb, right? And, and the choice that we should be making is, is towards things like adoption, towards things like foster care. Like the church just can't be anti-abortion. We have to be pro-life. Like we have to be for life. We have to be for uh, babies being born and babies that aren't being born into proper care. We step forward and we help with expenses or we step forward with gifts and resources or we step forward by just being willing to adopt or foster for a little while. The worst, the worst thing the church could do right now is go, thank goodness that's done, praise God, and then keep living our life like normal. Now would be the most important time ever, I believe, if this gets overturned, that we step towards 
that demographic, not away from it, not away from it. Um, I just, I felt like this first service, and I, I'm just reminded, like, again now, that um, my, I think sometimes if you are someone who has stepped into a church and you know that you've had an abortion and you, you just uh, have this moment where you're just like, oh my gosh, is everybody in this room against me? And my answer would be absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, can we throw Psalm 139 back up on the screen? Uh, if you've had an abortion before, I want you to know that you were fearfully and wonderfully made, that Jesus loves you. There's no thing in your past or no thing in your track record that is gonna hinder or stop his love for you. I, I absolutely believe that abortion promises to, to get you, escape you out of this feeling or out of this uncertainty. But I think, I think if you look at the data and if you look at the research, a lot of women for, feel more lost or ashamed or broken than they did before they had the procedure. And so I just want you to know if that's you in this room, like the only person who can touch that hurt and heal it fully, the only person who can redeem that thing and make it beautiful is Jesus and he loves you and he's for you. And I just don't want that to get lost in this point because we're not against people. God is in love with and for people. We just wanna see those people, those babies come into this world and bear the image of God like they were made to. So two kind of avenues that I'll plug there would be life choices. Um, life choices in a four life pregnancy center that we support. Again, if you think through the grid of what people need, uh, they could always use money. Um, countless, uh, countless times I hear with these ministries, we don't just want these kind of like lump sum gifts. We need, and it makes sense from a business standpoint, they need consistent monthly support to know how they can budget and plan for their year. So even if that's 20 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month that you want to give to one of these organizations, that makes a huge impact on what they can do throughout a year. We as a church, we're praying through, man, how can we leverage more of our resources towards local outreach and who can we bring on and support? We'll keep you posted as that develops, but, but Life Choices would be a good one. Um, there's a new ministry that's just starting. I see some of the moms in this room who have helped do it, but uh, it's, we'll tell you more about it as it comes up. It's called Embrace Grace, where they just are gonna take gift baskets and throw baby showers for different moms who find themselves in an unexpected pregnancy. They're gonna be right there to just shower them with all kinds of love and affirmation that God's got this and God's in control and he's good. The other one that I just wanna highlight is Room for Hope. Uh, it's not necessarily in the, the pro-life category in the same way that Life Choices is, but, but Room for Hope cares for and encourages and loves on at-risk women. Uh, so all broad strokes category. It's a, it's a pro-life entity in that they are always caring for women who have been uh, victims of some kind or who have find themselves in a just terrible situation. And they're there to help provide resources for safety, uh, encouragement and, and support in different resources and things like that. And so Room for Hope would be another one that you could check out. Um, all these, I know we kind of spit through them pretty quickly. But if you uh, look on the website at some point, there's a local outreach tab that you can click on and that'll get you, uh, help get you connected with any one of these ministries or with any other place that you're looking to serve. Um, the last thing I wanna show us all is 1 Peter, starting in verse four, um, sorry, chapter four, starting in verse 10. Peter writes, as each has received a gift, use it. So every single person in this room, as each of you has received a gift, the call is to use it. Hey, Get involved. I'm not going to tell you where, but, but Peter is encouraging us. You have a gift. Use it. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So we are stewarding the gifts that God has given to us. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that, strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. 
To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You want to talk about a life on mission. A life on mission is honed in on knowing that, man, I want to steward the gifts that God has given me to the best that I possibly can. And I want to do it all so that he might be glorified because he has been given dominion over everything. So here's the deal. Jesus could do anything he wants to do because he has dominion over it all, right? But the crazy scandalous thing about the gospel is that he chooses to use us and he chooses to partner with us as we go and we carry his light. We carry his glory out into this world. So again, the invitation is, don't you want to get involved? I would hate to get to fall once we kind of lock back into our rhythms after the summer and we have just grown zero over the summer. And some of us are maybe the same spiritual infants, the same spiritual toddlers that we were in May. If we want to grow up, we have to work together in unity and use the gifts that God's given us. And he's going to mature us into Christ-likeness in that endeavor. <laughs> the lie would be that you have to have it all figured out before you go and do it. The reality would be you figure out a lot of it as you go. That's how God's grace works. You don't usually have the whole equation solved before you get started. So again, I just want to have you guys stand and we'll pray. And I, I just want to leave room for the Holy Spirit here to nudge you in a direction. I don't want this to be uh, my uh, conviction that originates from me. It'd be amazing though, if the Holy Spirit here could kind of prompt us towards some things this summer. So Jesus, we just thank you for this series. We thank you for um, us asking the questions if we are uh, needing to start fishing for men again, if we're even fishing or if we need to mend our nets or if we've even uh, had a life that's been focused and fully devoted to you. God, I pray that just as opportunities present themselves, that we would be uh, found serving and stewarding your gifts well. I just look even across the room right now and I'm just so in awe of how unique and how distinct you've made every single person in here. Uh, there's no two people that are exactly the same with the exact same gifts. And so I just pray, God, that you would uh, unleash us now on your kingdom. I pray that you would unleash us against the kingdom of darkness. Would we wage war against the enemy and the other principalities and powers that be in our day? And would we, as the people of God, rise up in this moment and carry your glory with us? We love you, Jesus. And we pray to make your name known in all that we do. And it's for your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.